This week on Wellness and Wonder, Francesca and I speak with Kevin Ellerton from Meditation Magazine, where we discuss all about accessible consciousness. Come and join the conversation, Wellness and Wonder. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness and Wonder. I'm Paris Savet. Hello, I'm Francesca D'Amico. Welcome to this uh, mindful episode with Kevin. gonna make a little introduction as always before we start this amazing session mindfulness so powerful the only word is super powerful and what is mindfulness is a moment by moment awareness of thoughts feelings and sensations that's why of course we love it so much Mindfulness, of course, can be tricky at first. Our minds are used to uh, wandering and we will often be tempted to fix a thoughts or a feeling, judge it as good or bad or work hard to um, analyze it or change it. And sometimes this will be useful, of course, but uh, we also need to be able to sit with our experience and be fully in the moment without being dragged away by thoughts or feeling that might do drug um, damage our, um, our personality also. In fact, we can talk about mindfulness as a positive psychology um, because it involves a gentle acceptance of whatever comes in, into our awareness in the moment. It's not so much about reaching an end uh, of a goal, but about exploring our experience and expanding our awareness of our uh, inner world. So uh, things that drive us, motivate us, get in our way, trip us up and keep us stuck too. So today with Kevin, we are gonna explore various ways to learn about mindfulness practices and even uh, the study of art of teaching mindfulness to others. Hi, Kevin. Hi, nice to meet you, Francesca. And nice to meet you, Paris. Lovely to have you here, Kevin. So, of course, you are the owner of Meditation Magazine. So tell us all about what this amazing body of work you've created. That's obviously how we at Wellness and Wonder came across you as constant mindful meditation discussers, uh, practitioners. So please tell us everything you're doing. Nice. Uh, yeah, I will. Just uh, where did you find the magazine? Did you find it us online or in a store? Yeah on Instagram. So of course I was going through, you know, as we always do posting uh, quotes, meditation, speaking about each episode and it came up on an ad on Instagram. I was like, we need to get you on wellness and wonder. And here you are. Yes. Uh, So I'll tell you a little bit of the story. I like stories. So um, we, I started, okay. I'm going to go back to Thailand right now. Uh, I was sitting in a monastery, a Buddhist monastery in Thailand called Wat Suan Mok great place in southern thailand in like the middle of the jungle and i was in this like long period of silent meditation wow and uh it was uh, it was about seven days into my silence and the the first seven days had been a lot of like uh pain (laughs) like suffering you know like from having to confront all these anxieties and thoughts um kind of like what francesco was talking about uh you know sitting with the suffering and sitting with the feelings without trying to get rid of them. But see, the thing is that I I think that I was trying to get rid of them. I was trying to get, you know, peace or happiness or something. Um, And that's where the suffering was really coming from. But on the on the seventh day or so, I kind of let go. And I was just like, whatever, this is what's here. I'm just going to sit with it. And it kind of blew my mind. 
Uh, and I suddenly was in this state of bliss and I was just walking around, uh, like feeling like walking around on clouds. I, I can't even, it sounds like a, you know, an, uh, like a metaphor or something like that, but it, it's not really a metaphor. I actually felt like I was walking on cloud, like my feet felt like they were above the ground. It was very strange for about a, for a couple of days. And like, I would just be so happy and present that I would spend hours just sitting on the ground watching like ants go by. Like it was, it was a very powerful moment for me. And um, those few days kind of reshaped the way that I thought about what I wanted to do in the world. And uh, I realized that if, if I just had this bliss inside of me, it was kind of uh, like empty because it was just, you know, it was just in me and like everybody, there's still a lot of people out there that are suffering and it was kind of like limited if it was just in me. So I, it sort of hit me um, on maybe the eighth or ninth day of that silence that I was really my mission in life should be to help bring meditation to the rest of the world as much as possible. So being in touch with nature brought you that. Yeah, yeah, being in touch with nature partly and then part, just being like, being in that meditation in nature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and the nature was part of it, but I think that the meditation really was the core of it, which is really meditation brings you into touch with nature because it brings you into touch with the present moment, which, and that's where all of this nature exists, you know? So totally, Kevin, but can I, can I ask you something? Because you said something so special, it's an amazing experience. And uh, so it is about also sensations, like we said, of course, because people sometimes think about meditation in a very mental way. So they just disconnect the, the mind and they think they're meditating. So what would you say is, uh, um, you know, the best practice to really, really fulfill, to really fully experience meditation through sensations, not only mentally? Wow, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, okay, so pretty much all meditations to me, well, okay, not all meditations, but most meditations to me that are like the, the real like old meditations, ancient meditations that, that are like grounded in like thousands of years of tradition, I think are mostly ones that put you in, in your body's sensations and experiencing the sensations of everything. Um, there's so that that place that I was, it was uh, in, in Thailand, it was called Watswan Mok. It was from the Theravada Buddhist tradition. And basically, they teach you this uh, meditation called Anapanasati, which means mindfulness of breathing. So when you're watching the breathing going in and out, you're mindful of the sensations on your nose and your like chest and, and all that. And it's very focused on the sensations in the breathing. Um, but there are others like Vipassana meditation which is, I don't know if you guys know Vipassana, but Vipassana, they have centers all over the world that they have for free, that you could go for free for a 10-day retreat. And they, um, that's really all about experiencing all the sensations in your body. And that one is really awesome. And, um, and then mindfulness in general, like, so there's like, uh, mindfulness is a different kind of meditation necessarily. Like it, Mindfulness is used in all these different types of meditation, like uh, Vipassana, you're mindful of all the sensations in your body. Anapanasati, you're mindful of the sensations in your nose. Um, and But mindfulness as like just pure mindfulness is kind of like you're just in the moment and you're experiencing what you're experiencing without necessarily being focused on one particular aspect. But 
that type of mindfulness, if you're experiencing everything that you're experiencing, you're also experiencing your whole body, you're experiencing all your senses. So that's wow. a really good one to connect with the senses. And just lastly, I really like Wim Hof and like pranayama meditation. I don't know if you know Wim Hof. We, we interviewed him for one of our covers. Wow, this is your amazing magazine. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. You know, let's talk about who you've interviewed. Obviously, you've interviewed the greats, our spiritual leaders for today. So tell us about Wim Hof. Tell us what we would expect in that episode and uh, or edition and, you know, all the others. Please let us know. Yes, I'm going to do that. But also, I just wanted to mention, since I was mentioning Wim Hof, I would, at some point during this conversation, I would love to do with both of you like a a breathwork meditation. Because I always, I like to do that in my own, like we have like a podcast on Spotify and stuff like that. I like to do that with guests because it changes the energy of the conversation. You know what I mean? And it takes it into like this very like uh i don't know it's kind of it, it like sort of trips you out and puts you in this very like body thank you my dear kevin so we can be your guest tonight <laughs> yeah you are the wellness and wonder today best kevin let's do yeah. it <laughs> we can all do it together that's what i like yes. about that meditation also is that it's not like one person guiding it's like once everybody knows what to do it's like each person is doing it you know what i mean so we'll, yeah. we'll all do it together but yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about like uh, the magazine as Paris was asking. Um, Wim Hof was one of my favorite interviews. Uh, he's they call him the Iceman, you know, like he climbed Everest in his shorts. Um, he was actually recently uh, featured in the Wall Street Journal. I don't know if you guys saw that, but that was like a big thing because Wall Street Journal doesn't usually feature like weird meditation people. Right. Um, but uh, but he, he he basically climbed Everest in his shorts. He sits on icebergs, like basically like naked. He just like, he, uh, he, he swims under ice water. Um, and he, uh, he also ran a marathon in the Namib desert without water. So like he, it's not just cold. He does all these crazy, very intense things. And he does it using a pranayama meditation where it's just like hyperventilating and basically like charging your body up with oxygen and doing like uh we'll, we'll we'll do that we'll do that practice in a few minutes um but and i think that will be really nice amazing kevin so i i heard of this uh, uh breathing technique which is magical i've been doing it in the last year and thanks to that i'm able to have a cold shower not normal cold i mean super cold in the morning before exercising and thanks to this breathing work which of course i don't think i do it properly all the time so i don't it's very difficult, but it is helping me a lot to, to control my emotions and to control my body temperature too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Let me tell you, I, just in terms of when people say like, if I do it properly, I, I think that a lot of people, and I, I actually don't think you have this misconception. I could tell from what you were saying before, but I think that a lot of people have this conception that like you have to do it a certain way. And I think that one of the things that allows me to really, I don't know, be, enjoy and experience a lot of different types of meditation and also to teach meditation and to, to make a meditation magazine is, is, is the idea of experimentation. So like, uh, and adjusting things. So like um, you can, if you think that you need to do it a certain way and like it needs to be exactly three second inhale, exactly six second, whatever, something like that. Um, then it will put you in a place of like, am I doing this right? And then it takes you out of it a little bit. But what I like to do is like experiment with things. So as an, as an example, Wim Hof's 
uh, breathing technique, you know, maybe he'll do very uh, short, deep inhales. Uh, well, uh, long, deep inhales and then very quick, small exhales. But like for me, I'll I'll like adjust it. So for for example, I like to actually have um, more uh, even like uh, even pacing between the inhales and the exhales. So it's like a slightly different form of pranayama breathwork. But um, like that's I just found that through many different experimentations and experimenting with different like lengths of inhale and exhale and things like that. And and I think each person can find what works best for them. You know Amazing, what I mean? Kevin. Thank you for saying that. Actually, I never heard of any teacher saying this, and it's, I think it's super important. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, th I think it's also really helpful for people because, like, I don't know. I think if 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 you just if you think that you have to get it as like right, then it leads to this type of perfectionism, and I don't think that that really helps with the meditations. But anyways, um, Paris, I want to get back to some of the other things that uh, mm -hmm. people that we interviewed. So Deepak Chopra was an interesting one. Um, I had personally not um, really resonated with his work until I actually, uh, he, it sort of came to us to, to interview him. I was working with someone, uh, like uh, I was working with someone who knew his people and like it just sort of fell together, came together. And um, he's a really interesting person because um, when I was younger, I, I when I would see his videos, I would think like, oh, he's just like, kind of like the commercial guru or whatever, you know what I mean? Like the TV guru. And, uh, but, but, uh, and I would just kind of ignore it. And uh, like, I didn't really get into it at all. And then when it came time to like, oh, hey, he's gonna, you know, he's here, he wants to, to talk to us. And then I actually started like really digging into his work. And I found there was a lot of really deep stuff there um, that I had maybe glossed over because of just my preconceived notion of like, oh, if you're on TV, then you're not like, if you're a, like a, on like Dr. Oz, then you're not like a real spiritual teacher. Um, so I like dug into his work and there was actually a lot of beautiful stuff there. And I think that he, he expresses a form of philosophy and like a form of like, um, like a perspective that is known as philosophical idealism. So what that means is like, um, you know how like normally we think of the world as made of like matter and energy and stuff yeah. like because of science. Um, so I think that some there there's this ancient form of thinking that actually goes back into like Hindu philosophy, where the core of reality is not matter and energy. Um, the core of reality is actually consciousness. Um, and like both would you say that it's both yeah it, it is kind of both I, I mean it that's the way that I see it is kind of both okay. I think Deepak also sees it as kind of both but there's people like Joe Rogan and and like um, Sam Harris and people like that that um, and Richard Dawkins and I don't know if you know these guys that yeah. like um, they they like to like make fun of Deepak for like sort of talking about consciousness wow. um, and and make it sound like he's like uh, saying woo, woo stuff mm. and um, but I what I think is that it comes down to just a difference in perspective where yeah. so certain people are just thinking about everything as just matter um, and energy and they they're not really thinking about how consciousness is sort of this whole other dimension you know what I mean and and uh, Deepak 
I think gets a bad rap for that, but I, I, I think we had a really interesting conversation and, and that's, that's on our Spotify right now. So wow. if people check it out, they can check that out. Absolutely. Well, uh, consciousness is a, such a deep topic, so much to say about consciousness, but how can we really separate energies from consciousness or you know, reality from consciousness and energies all connected in a way? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they, they are. It's, 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 it's actually kind of blows my mind to just think about <laughs> to just think about how that all works together. Yeah. It's, it's right. almost, I like, I can't even, I, like that's a whole conversation and stuff. I can't even do that. If we put it scientifically, it's so much easier because there is an equation and a few numbers that of course represent also, you know, many billions of words at the same time, but it's maybe it's easier to explain it scientifically than philosophically because yeah. there's uh, many different perspectives, like you said, many different perceptions, many different, yeah, experiences. Yeah. Yeah, so so here, just in the interest of time, I'll show you some of our other people that we talked to. Rachel Brathen, I don't know if you know her. Rachel Brathen, she's like, uh, she has a podcast called From the Heart, um, uh, Conversations from the Heart. Yeah. And she also, like, I think she was one of the first people doing yoga on Instagram. And like, huh. but now like Instagram is full of people doing like, you know, plastic yoga, I guess you could call it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> Taking the depth of where it comes from. Plastic yoga is in a commercial way. <laughs> yeah, like the type of yoga where they get the plastic surgery and then they do the yoga afterward. You know what I mean? Oh. To show up the plastic ah, surgery. This kind of yoga, okay. <laughs> plastic, plastic yoga. So, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, there's like a lot of that sort of shiny, like, oh, look at me, like I'm so pretty, whatever, things like that. Right. Um, but she she was always more like into the meditation um, and she was always very like deep about it and uh and and very vulnerable and i think that i i learned a lot from talking to her um about vulnerability and like just seeing her on instagram you know not just talking about the happy things not just talking about the shiny things talking about the dark things talking about like yeah. the, the 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 difficulties that people used to hide on on social media you know like uh it, they still do a lot a lot of people like I remember when Facebook first came out, I, I'm, I'm pretty old, I guess. I, I was in college. Uh, maybe it was it was out for a few years by that time. Mm. And like, I just remember like looking at it and saying like, this is not healthy. Everybody's trying to like pretend to be perfect. And that's just making everybody feel insecure. Yeah. And like, I felt that at the time I was too young to like articulate it, but um she 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 kind of broke that uh I, I don't know if she's the only one there's definitely a lot of people that pushed like those boundaries and like made push toward vulnerability and and like uh showing your your imperfections and your your struggles and stuff like that but I, th that was something that I really learned from her I think that she's like amazing for that and yeah. um Regarding, uh, before we, we, we change your beautiful magazine, Kevin, regarding vulnerability, is, uh, it's, uh, it's incredible how vulnerability is important and it's not only our strength, it's also part of who we truly are, mostly during our in moments of intimacy. So people that are vulnerable, uh, they find themselves well, even in intimate moments where they wouldn't find comfortable. So for example, meditating can also uh, you know, make us vulnerable. Sometimes we cry when we meditate just because we let it go. And these moments of vulnerability are moments of strength because, you, because you, we let it out and we become stronger than before. Yes, exactly, exactly. I, I, that's something that um, I encourage in, in the uh, breathwork meditations. In, in all, a lot of different types of meditation can have you cry and like uh, express emotions and let go of emotions. 
yeah but for me like the breath work it like literally um if there's anything going on in my life that's like worthy of crying like or anything that that like is in my consciousness at all that's worthy of crying the, the breath work will bring it out in like five minutes like just bawling full of so tears do you agree with through these practices we can actually learn how to be vulnerable and accept our vulnerability yes for sure of course yeah that i think it's good to to learn that through the practice and also like to to see other people do it and to like think like to actually have a like an intellectual understanding of it too is good too because if you do the practice like as an example let's say you're doing the breathwork practice and you feel the emotions coming up and like you could start crying but you're but if you don't have that understanding that vulnerability is like good and it's like a strength and it's like a powerful thing if you don't have that understanding then you will probably suppress the emotions you know what i mean so it's good to be able to approach it from multiple angles yes but, yeah but once you've got that intellectual understanding once you understand that that's a good thing which is not that hard to understand then then you can um push forward like with the practices and then then it becomes like the practice is your everyday vulnerability yeah. you know what i mean and and it's not just on not just in the meditations but also in like social media and and in life when yeah. you're talking to people you know like uh, i i try to be vulnerable and and, and I, i hope that you ask me questions about the baby because there's definitely difficulties there and sh like struggles um you know so and i love to to be able to talk about those things because one it's like therapy you know like it's nice to talk about the things uh, so that it gets it off my chest mm. but also i think that it's good for people to to like for people who are watching this or listening to this to realize that like everybody has struggles like you're not alone in that and that it's it, it's good to talk about it and it's like don't don't bottle it up don't hold it in it's looking in your truth isn't it yeah um Mindfulness yeah. plays an important role in both the greater field of psychology and positive psychology specifically. How would you say that uh, this is related to psychology? So people that have mental problems to feel good for a good emotional well-being, they should start these practices instead of going maybe to people where they feel judged. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I, I, so I, I, I had written a long time ago some articles um, about uh, like how eastern practices were better than western psychology this was like a while ago this was maybe like 15 years ago okay so mm -hmm. I, i when i first started i never finished my story about like uh how i started meditation magazine but uh i'll just quickly finish that and then and then address your question so okay. so so i had been in that monastery i realized i needed to bring meditation to the world a few uh, like a couple of weeks later i was riding a motorcycle like around that area and i was hit by a pickup truck and I broke my neck and I was, I ended up like, I almost got paralyzed. I had to relearn to walk. I ended up in America and, and all I could do was just sit at a computer and type, like I couldn't do anything else. So I just, I, I found the domain name meditationmag.com and I started uh, writing articles about meditation, about specifically psychology and meditation, because yeah. I, that was what, to me, like I had come from a Western background. I had come from a, like, I, I was interested in psychology as a kid. Um, and, and, uh, like I had studied Freud and Jung and all these different people. And then when I went to Thailand, like my mind was blown, like it was totally like, wow. Like I thought this is better than Western psychology. This is, um, like Western psychology is like 
some like little thing that just developed over the past couple hundred years. And these these guys in in like the Eastern world have been practicing like psychological practices for thousands of years. Like our thing in the West is like just like this thing that's not even evolved yet. Um, and but what I've come over the past 10, 15 years, what I've come to um, appreciate about Western psychology is that there's there is a lot of good data in Western psychology. There's a lot of good like um, scientific method, which like analyzes what works, what doesn't work, uh, not based on your own experience, but based on like objective data over large populations. And like, uh, I, I think that there is a lot of good in Western psychology too. Um, but uh, I, I and I, I think that some of the Western psychological practices, like you were mentioning, like, oh, like, is it is isn't it better to do these practices rather than to go to someone who's judging you? You know what I mean? Like a psychologist. Yes. Most of the time they do. They judge. Yeah, they do sometimes. But but I, I get what you're saying. But um, I, I have uh, gone to some Western therapy myself, like I, I've uh, for my relationship with my wife. Um, there were times when we were fighting a lot and things like that. And there were like issues that we needed to resolve and we had our meditation practices, but we still needed to sort of have someone to moderate some, some of our issues to like talk yeah. them through. Yeah. And, and I, and, and when I went, to, when we did that, it was like an online thing, you know, it was like, uh, doing it like this and there, that lady, I thought she was going to come and say the, the therapist, I thought she was going to come and say like, oh, like Kevin, you're right about this. Giovanna, you're right about that. Like she didn't do that. She, she, instead she was just like listening to how we were, what we were talking about and would stop us at particular parts and say, okay, Giovanna, like when you hear Kevin talk about how he feels, how does that make you feel? And, and then she would stop and reflect and like express how she felt when I, about what I felt. And then I, then I would see what she was feeling and she would see what I was feeling. And it, it just brought more awareness. Yeah. And, and I thought that was very powerful and it helped us a lot. So I think that sometimes Western psychologists do judge the people that come to them. I think that, but in my experience, um, there are very good psychologists out there that, that are just straight up from the Western style that are also very good. And, and I think that um, people that have, both fields, practices and psychologists <laughs> for an emotional well-being if you're in trouble, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that if for people that have struggles with anxiety, like I, I have for many, many years uh, struggled with anxiety and depression and things like that. And thankfully, it's been actually a lot less recently for some reason. I don't know, probably because of the meditations and therapies and things like that. Um, but it can really help to do both, I think, um, the meditation. And I, what, I, what I recommend to people, when people tell me, oh, I have anxiety, what should I do? Uh, I have uh, depression, what should I do? I always generally recommend meditation and exercise. I, I think that those are really helpful together, um, that those two things together, like it gets your body in shape, it gets your mind like stable and strong. And when, if that doesn't work, well, it, it should work. I mean, it should work for most people. Um, but, but if that, if that's not enough, then to see some like, so, like a psychologist or like a Western psychologist, you could also go and see like a monk and stay in a monastery, which helps. 
but like uh, in the Western world, that's that's not as accessible. So um, I think that like what I show them is like, hey, take one of my meditation courses, like basically like learn to meditate, go exercise. I don't have courses for that. Just go to a gym and you'll figure it out. And then and uh, or, or like not nowadays, go exercise outside, you know, because the gyms are closed and it's. <laughs> we can exercise everywhere. There is no excuse to avoid it. Funny, actually, just, just to go into that, because that's that's what obviously part of our podcast is. And obviously I, I don't, you know, probably haven't even had a chance to find out. So I'm actually an exercise professional. Mm-hmm. And um, Francesca is a lot is, is a health coach. So mm-hmm. we can speak about everything so I'm come from a sports science background Francesca's the holistic wellness background and so we often talk about how spirituality comes into play in these two worlds so from the point of exercise and fitness I would say there's an awful lot of spirituality in health in fitness and of yes. from the point of a health coach yeah you know it's yeah. the same thing so exactly what you're same thing, yes like absolutely you said. Yeah, the the body and mind are it's people say connected. I, I say it's like it they're in the same thing. Like they they're your mind is well, depending on how you look at it, it your mind is is arising from your nervous system. That's, that's the way I look at it. That's from like a physicalist perspective. Like right. uh, Doc would say that your body is arising in part of your consciousness, but right. that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> But um, anyways, yeah, so body and mind, if you get those healthy, I think that that will really help anybody that is struggling with uh, like mental issues, anxiety, depression, things like that. So yeah, I I just, uh, I wanted to say, since you had to ask this question, I just wanted to like round it out. Um, These are the other two uh, covers. There are a lot of other people that are interviewed inside, but like, yeah, Trevor Hall, Trevor Hall is, is pretty awesome. He's like a musician. Uh, He plays the guitar, like the one that you got behind you on that uh, acoustic one. Music yeah. is part of mindfulness for sure. Mm-hmm. We need sounds, alien sounds to feel good. Yeah, exactly. He's he's actually my wife's favorite musician, and you know it was really uh, nice. That's why you interviewed him. Uh, yeah, God. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was one of our first that that I interviewed just because like I wanted to create that experience. But it, he he also is like a very awesome, um, uh, like spiritual communicator himself. He's ex- communicates through music, you know. Wow. Yeah. Um, and we also uh, through music. Yeah. Yeah. This is this was our last of our like m- one of my favorite interviews was Sadhguru. I don't know if you know Sadhguru. Wow, uh, he looks so powerful. This man. Where? Yeah. So you guys he's don't know. Him? Yes, he's a guru. The guru issue. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So Sadhguru. Um, he he is he's really cool. I mean, he basically is like an Indian guru. Yeah. With like millions of followers in India, like he's like one of the biggest like Indian gurus that's alive today. And he, uh, and there's others, but he's one of the biggest ones. So he recently, uh, during the pandemic, like uh, things were pretty much shut down in a lot of the places that he was in India. And he's, and he thought, Hey, let me take this opportunity to go ride a motorcycle around the United States. So he, he went and he brought his, he like got a motorcycle and he flew to the United States. He got a motorcycle here. Wait. And then he like, let me open this here. Um, he, he rode like oh, wow. almost 10,000 miles, almost 10,000 wow. miles all around the United States. I'm trying to find like a big Kevin, thing. is him the guru also that is using this breathing technique to find this strength, inner strength or no? Um, oh yeah, inner engineering. He calls it. He calls it ah. inner engineering. Um, but uh, yeah, he. I mean, he's teaching a um, meditation. I think it's like a, mostly like an Indian style meditation. But he's he's very he's, he's a really cool guy. 
so cool guy. It's the best, the, the coolest. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> a very cool guru. <laughs> he's the coolest guru in the world. Sorry. Thanks. We have to do a retreat together and we have to meet uh, this kind of guy. Yeah. Well, we always yeah. say we, we're going to take wellness and wander on the road at some point. Yes, That's baby. definitely, yeah. Yes, ride a, can, can you guys ride a motorbike? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I've done it before, but I broke my neck one time, um, so I, I try not to oh, do it. Wow. Right, yeah. right. Gosh. Why? What happened? Uh, oh, we, yeah, I was crashed. Uh, I got a, a, what do you call it? A pickup truck crashed into me, so I broke my neck in, in Thailand. But. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, this time, okay. Yeah, but it's 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 okay now. I I, I get sometimes headaches, but uh, overall wow. I'm all completely healed from that. Thankfully, oh, I have like uh, some scars on my hand and whatever, but it's it's fine. Okay, now that we were talking about retreats, actually, and the, um, with Paris, of course, we're gonna talk more about them in the future. But uh, mindfulness can be practiced, of course, individually or as a part of a group during a retreat. So, what would you say is the best? It depends, of course, on what you want to experience. But what what which one between the both would you say is the most effective in terms of experience and result? Oh, that's a very good question. I would say, um, so obviously I'm going to say both, but, but I'll <laughs> tell you why they're, they're each important. Um, so you, 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 I think you should have both. Uh, most people are going to be able to start with a personal practice. I think it's very rare that people go to a retreat without ever having tried it themselves meditation. Um, because th that's like a big commitment to do if you, if you aren't already passionate about it or you aren't already experimenting with it. So I think most people need to start with the personal practice, um, which is very easy to access. You could find a million videos on YouTube. You can find courses like my courses um, at kevinellerton.com. You could find all these different courses. You could find all these different videos. You could find in Meditation Magazine, we have tutorials for meditation that take people who are just beginners to be able to show them how to meditate in a deep way. And there's, uh, so that would be the easiest place to start. You know, you, you sit down, you meditate, you, maybe you feel like you're doing it wrong. Don't worry if you feel like you're doing it wrong. Like just keep trying, keep practicing the, the, the real, I don't want to call it a goal, but it's like the, the point is just to be experiencing this moment of being alive, you know, like experience yeah. this moment. And it, if you're experiencing this moment, then, then you're doing it. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're okay. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin, for saying that. Basically like once you've started practicing it yourself and, and you can see, you know, a little bit about what meditation is and like how it works and how it feels, um, likely it's likely that you're going to see that there's a lot more depth that you can go into. And when you start to see that, that that's probably a good time to schedule a retreat um, because uh, when you go to these retreats, you can get way deeper. You can get much deeper when there's a lot of people around. It kind of gives you that social pressure to, to, to go deeper. And it also um, it also is good to be able to communicate with other people that are going through a similar process. Mm. So it's, you know, in Buddhism, there's three uh like uh important things that you need that they, they they call them the uh, i think it's the three jewels uh, i don't know they have a lot of different things yeah but, the three jewels yeah, yeah one of them is uh t one of them is like it's called buddha dharma and sangha buddha means basically like meditation or like awakened consciousness dharma means like uh essentially understanding the nature of reality uh, it's, it's sort of like philosophy a little bit but like just like insight 
And then um, but the I heard Kevin that Dharma means also your purpose, your goal. Not we don't like it to call it goal, but you you're it's like the system you create for your life. It's like yeah. the system more than the goal. Yeah, the yeah it, it, I, I, there's a lot of different ways to interpret all of these words, but Dharma, I think the, the direct translation means nature. So like yeah. uh, when when you call it when you think about Dharma, it could be in it could be in like understanding reality, it could be in understanding yes. yourself. Yes. And you're understanding your purpose, you know, all these things, basically understanding. Um, and then um, the third one is Sangha. Sangha means community, which is basically like spiritual community, people that you can talk to about what you're going through. It, like not just some random people on the street. I mean, random people on the street are nice, too. Uh, if you talk to them, they're usually nice. But <laughs> but yeah. uh, but they, they won't necessarily know exactly what you're going through in your meditation path path and if you talk to people in a retreat after the retreat usually you've been going through a lot and you've been going through these things and you think it's you're doing something wrong or there's something weird with you and something you feel alone but then uh, when you talk to all the people after the retreat you see everybody who kind of went through the same thing and you realize that this is just part of human nature all these things that you're experiencing and you don't feel like it's just you anymore right. so yeah that's why i would say both okay so, yeah. <laughs> So obviously your your whole mission with the meditation magazine is for a massive awakening, worldwide awakening, spreading that knowledge of meditation. Now, they say at some point, obviously, we all come potentially in the world has been the ancient forces of religion. But they reckon the, med the meditative and spiritual leaders are going to not that it's going to replace religion, but with this new modern world, with this new so much a lot of what religion rejected has become so much so well more worldwide accepted now so do you now find opportunity in your position as a spiritual guide as a spiritual purpose do you see you know the commercialism of spirituality do you see that a, a bonus or what do you think are you obviously because there's now so many apps so much accessibility to spiritualism what's your feelings on this well i have a lot of feelings on all of mm. this um so right. Yeah, I feel like you touched on like three different subjects there. One was like religion being replaced by like meditative spirituality. Mm -hmm. One was like the commercialization of spirituality. Yeah. And and one was, uh, I, I'm trying to understand the third one. It was like that, it, it, it's sort of the connection between those two things like that. Yeah, the, the kind of spirituality. The ways that religion would have rejected have now become such a big part of our society today in which you know spirituality obviously has no bounds of acceptance so in your role as someone who's here to tie and spread the union of spiritual you know spiritualism well, how do you feel about it all okay well so good questions um, I, I understand the first and the third question i'm still trying to get my mind around the second one but uh i think it ties together because um yeah so First of all, I, I used to be like a religious person when I was uh, younger. I was like 17 and I went to like Israel. I was I'm like Jewish. My family's Jewish. Um, and uh, I went to Israel to become a rabbi. And I spent two years 
in Jerusalem. And uh, at some point, I started having some critical thinking processes that were kicking in in my developing brain. And uh, it's a long story. I won't get into everything. But basically, I started questioning all the dogmas. And I started like asking questions that were outside of the comfort zone of the rabbis. And they ended up excommunicating me from the school and like they st they told the other students not to talk to me because I was gonna like make them not be Jewish anymore so so I, I had this thing where I I was very against religion for a, a while um like uh you know I was very I thought it was like you know um putting people into like these little brainwash boxes and uh like putting you in like a bubble that you're you know us versus them type of thing and um, and I thought it caused a lot of like tribal conflicts between the different religions and that it was creating wars and all these things. All religions are the same. They all talk about the same values, but don't, that then each country, because of the history they had and because of, you know, all the, you know, the, not only the, yes. history, all the, the, the different approaches they have to life, they adapted to different rules and different impositions they were giving to people, but all religions are the same at the end. Yes, 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 exactly. So, so I mean, over time from at the beginning, I, I, at that time, because of that experience I had, I had become very anti-religious, but over time I started uh, realizing, you know, what you're saying is that um, the, the religions all sort of started with this core of spirituality you know what I mean? And that they all started with this like recognition of the oneness of the universe and existence. And they wouldn't have grown if it wasn't for that. Like the, the big religions are big because of that spark of truth, you know, that that beauty um, of, of existence. And like I realized even, you know, it's very deep. I won't get too much into it, but like, no, you know, please, Judaism, we want to go deep. Okay, that's what we're here for. <laughs> Yeah, like so Judaism uh, it starts with Abraham right so like Abraham was like the big one and and he I never understood when I was Jewish I never understood the power of the story of him smashing all the idols um, in his father I don't know if you guys know the, the the story but like he apparently like the story goes that that Abraham's father was like you know he had all these idols for different gods and that was what they believed in at the time they believed in many different gods and then Abraham came and he smashed all the idols and he was like, no, there's only one God. And, and, um, and like, then that was the birth of monotheism. So like when I was Jewish, I was like, Oh, what's the difference if there's many gods or one God isn't many gods better than one God. Like if one God is good, many gods is awesome. So, but, but I realized when I started meditating and I started realizing what this whole oneness thing was and like, it started blowing my mind that like this oneness, the oneness of existence is what Abraham was talking about in the first place about like one God, they called it God. And we call it maybe the, the oneness. Amazing. You know oh, what I mean? It is, yeah. yeah. So, so there's, yeah. The, and I, I think that you're right. You know, they all, all these uh, religions, they all kind of go to the same uh place yeah then it became politics and then they adapted to their own rules because it was yeah. convenient for them of right course. right exactly, exactly. Politics. now religious religions are like politics but of course the real religion is the one that we all have and it is about the values of love respect families and right so so that brings us to paris's third question which is that the, the <laughs> spirituality is replacing these religions um and and that's what 
you know what you what you're what you're talking about the love and the the beauty and the the compassion and all that the stuff. Mystery also because we don't have all the answers to jump into the unknown. All the religion the religions they tell they tell us what to do do this do this like we have all our life already planned. But life it doesn't it is not like this. Maybe some people they don't build a family because they can build their own self too. There is no rule and uh, yeah and it's important to also to jump into the unknown. Most of the religions they make us scared of because of the that's, unknown. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so the and and I like what you're talking about the mystery. You know, like uh, mystery is the root of the word mysticism. The the root is the same. It's the hidden, yeah. and yeah. and the the questions and and um, not knowing and you know. But these these this type of spirituality, the mystery, the mysticism. Yeah, they called it. I think. Uh, Gnosticism or agnostic, I don't remember, whatever they called it. It's been, it goes all the way back into like long history, uh, like thousands of years, e even back to um, many of the Hindu traditions are just very grounded in that type of spirituality. And like, yes, there's all these systems that have developed uh, of religion that have branched off of it. Um, that have, I, I don't want to call it corrupted it, but it's, it's more like they've just made all these intricate systems of rules around the spirituality that and those start to take precedence you know like those start to become the important things like when I was Jewish and like I was in the rabbi school we didn't think about spirituality at all like all we talked talked about was the rules the law like the laws that we had to follow and like that's like 14 hours a day we would be studying these books called the Talmud Mm -hmm. which is just the Jewish law books. And that's all we did, just study the laws. And, and so the thing is, uh, Francesca, I think that it does, and Paris also with your, with your question about the spirituality replacing religion, I don't, I, I do see that that's happening right. to some extent. And it's definitely happening within our bubbles, yes. our like social media bubbles. Mm -hmm. um, but, and, and I think that even on a world scale, it's happening too. But I also see people that go from not religious to religious. My father wasn't religious when he was a child, and then he became religious. My, uh, my, my sister's husband also is the same way. He wasn't religious as a child, but he became religious as an adult. Right. Um, and, uh, and I see not only them, but I see that as sort of like a personality thing Completely. that some people, some people are just drawn to rules and like this type of like uh, I don't know I don't want to call it being put in a box because that's a little derogatory but it's more like some people are very rules oriented and they're not so mystical they that's just not how they think well there's a saying there that the religion is doing what is told spirituality is doing what is right Absolutely. yeah okay that's that's another that's another way to say it and and I like that I like that expression because it resonates yeah it resonates with with how I feel about it and 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 how my my personal journey but like actually the past few years of my personal journey have be, been um and this is actually it's very strange because it's not like most of the people in, in the spiritual community i think um they they go on this path of like spirituality is better than religion and it's like what we're doing is better than the mainstream and like we we need to keep going into this into this into this deeper and deeper and deeper and like, yes, it's good to go deeper into your spirituality, but my past few years of, I, I would say my personal spiritual development, which I, I wouldn't have expected, I would have thought it would go more in that direction, 
was uh, is starting to realize the beauty and wisdom that's inherent in all humans and including in the mainstream the mainstream like pop culture even like it's, it's and it's crazy like I, I never thought that's the where I would go um, but like for me I, I was always very against pop culture like I was against like I, I think as a younger person I, I had I was against more things you know what I mean I was like against a lot of things and I, what I started to realize is that there's there's wisdom in in all people and like some people who maybe even like who go from like a non-religious to a religious state who want the rules there's some wisdom there too and I think that um the things that I've uh that have put put me in that direction is one is Avatar The Last Airbender have you seen that show I have yeah (laughs) yeah like um just the you know the the there's the air tribe the water tribe the earth tribe and, and the fire tribe Right. So like the religious people, you might call them the earth tribe. You know what I mean? Like the, the earth people, they love the, the rules, the like structure. And, and, and if you see like the character like of Toph, the earthbender, you know, she, they, she has a lot of wisdom. She has the wisdom of like, you know, like this is how like we're going to be rigid about these things because we need to sometimes. Um, and uh the more experiences we do, the wiser we become. So I suppose all these wise people is because they've been they've been experiencing a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, but but it's not just like I think that all like whether you're going in this direction or that direction, like I think that everybody has a reason for going in the direction that they go, and Absolutely. or almost everybody. Like sometimes people are just crazy and go in some crazy direction. Yeah. Some people are like literally evil and go and kill people. But, but, <laughs> most, but most people, 99% of people on this planet that I've, I've experienced are like trying to do a good thing, trying to do good in the world, either for themselves, for their family, for their society, for whoever. And everybody's got like some reasoning behind what they're doing. Uh, one other thing that put me in that direction was interviewing Deepak Chopra and realizing, you know, like he's kind of that mainstream guru. He's that mainstream guy that's like on TV and stuff. And, uh, and, and I realized, you know, like, okay, so this guy, I, you know what happened actually? After I interviewed him, we got a lot of negative feedback on our Facebook uh, from people like, oh, he's so commercial, like whatever. And, you know, cause we whatever. have very intense like uh, meditation people. And I was like, uh, okay, so so I, I kind of was like, oh, should we even be featuring him on one of our covers? Um, and then uh, I, I went to uh, visit my wife's family in Miami and there was like her grandmother who has like very little connection to meditation. She was like, oh, I saw you interview Deepak Chopra. Like, that's, that's awesome. Like you should put that on the cover. And I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And she's like, yeah, I've like listened to him and it like really helped me. And, and I was thinking like this lady who has very little connection to meditation, it, she knows Deepak Chopra and not just that, but he helped her. Like, and, and I was thinking like, she doesn't know who Sadhguru is. She doesn't right. know who Wim Hof is. And, and they, they haven't impacted her, but he did. You know what I mean? So there's yeah. some wisdom in his PR, you know, in his public relations. But that like, is my point with what we're saying about the commerciality and, you know. Yeah, exactly. There we go. <laughs> there we are. See? <laughs> and nice. that's the point, though. And that's that's the amazing thing that just as you what you're saying, that 
even though you didn't interview him on in fact you know his commerciality almost drew you away but your your journey spirituality left you with an openism like an openness that allowed you to enter into this path with him and look at I always have this saying that the world provides and look how it wraps around that actually works in your favor and you know every obviously we put enough energy into anything and that's exactly what it does on to that point let's go into the babies so you are wonderfully a brand new daddy so congratulations thank you thank you yeah it's it's wonderful this whole podcast was timed around the uh, magic arrival so because now we're going to base this obviously very well in the conversation as well because on what we are saying of religion and spirituality there is now more than ever going to be generations of babies raised with more spirituality than we have you know because they actually over here in the uk they're teaching it in schools so they're being oh, wow. yeah there is actually curriculum here to be to, to for them to meditate for them to be aware of their self so yeah. my, my son is eight and he meditates they they do it wow. in class they have an app that they get sent home it's called the class dojo they do yoga and so okay. Of course, being a new daddy now, how do you feel about with this concept? Obviously, now this is your responsibility to bring a whole new powerful force into this world through life and spiritualism. How do you how are you feeling? And also yeah, wow. spirituality, Kevin, is about is about youth. So we become spiritual when we get in touch with our uh, inner child and we yeah. get in touch with we we feel the youth within us. So you are going to discover maybe even more of uh, the spiritual world through them. Oh, yeah, I already am. Definitely. Uh, I, I Every time I look into her eyes, I realize that uh, I like I thought that I was present. But here is a being that is really present, like that doesn't have any past, <laughs> doesn't know anything about the future. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty that. amazing. It's 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 beautiful. It, like literally, just thinking about it right now brings tears to my eyes. Just thinking about like looking into her eyes because it's they're so just there. Like there's nothing. There's nothing else. Uh, yeah. So so. Uh, but Paris, your your question about uh, yeah, bringing up a child in this new world of spirituality. I, I so so. I'm really. I didn't know about that. That they have in England the curriculum where they have to meditate. Is that all schools? Yeah, so it's now, so they're upset because obviously with a lot of the violence that you know, goes particularly across heavy city areas that they've missed 12, 13, 14. So they've worked out from the ages, so I think you would call it preschool and junior ages, so pretty much from the age of four and up, mm. that's where they've managed to tackle it. So I believe my son would be the equivalent. Yeah, all public schools. So I think wow. my son would be in grade three, I think, grade four. And so that's what they're working now. So they, they speak about uh, mindfulness, man- managing their temper, all things that as generations we were never taught. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. I, that's uh, in, in the United States, it's a bit different. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting to see in, in England, you know, you have universal health care, which I mean, I, I, I tried to fight for that when Bernie Sanders was running for president. Right. Um, you know, I was trying to fight for universal health care. I really believe in that. I, I know you guys have that here. Everything is very privatized, you know, so like um, health care is privatized, but also education to a large extent is privatized. Even the public schools. So there are 
um, meditation organizations in the United States. Sure. Like uh, there's one called uh, Mindful Schools. Okay. They're, they're probably the biggest. And then there's like another one called like Dot B, which is run by like, um, uh, I, f- I forget her name. She's like uh, Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. She's like an old actress. Yeah. Like yeah. there's like these these organizations that they go and they they pitch the public schools like school by school or school district by school district. Hey, we want to bring meditation into your school. And right. like they, so, so it's like these private organizations oh, yeah. working with the government to do that. And it's, it's, it's just a different system. I've, I, I've come to like appreciate the pros and yeah. cons of capitalism. The culture also. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's different culture also, but like, um, I, I think a lot of people here, like in my bubbles and my social media bubbles are very, uh, like against uh capitalism <laughs> like they, right. they they don't like that whole system and uh they they say hey we should have all these things universal health care all the all the things and and i i do like those those policies mm-hmm. but i but i i've also come to appreciate capitalism now running this business realizing that like when i see certain regulations that make it very hard for businesses to stay stay afloat especially small right. businesses i start to appreciate both sides of the whole like oh. spectrum um, but, uh, what I do, I, I do think it's really good that meditation is making its way into the school system. I think that that's, um, like one of the most, probably the most important thing that can get into the school system. I, I, I think that if, if the Dalai Lama said, if every eight year old were to meditate, then we would have world peace within a generation. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a powerful thing because and it's true you know, like we would get, we would get past all this crazy shit, you know, that's right, it, like, right. all the violence and stuff and just have everybody be a, like meditators. It's exactly. amazing. And, and I hope that my daughter, Amelia Sky will, yeah, that's, that's her name, by the way. I, I, okay. I've announced it on our social media, but it's just so new. So it's like, right. yeah. um, I hope that um, little Amelia Sky will grow up in a world where she is going to learn I mean, she's going to learn meditation from, from right. me, but like, she's also going to learn it from uh, like, I hope she learns it in school. I hope that her, her, her fellow students are learning that personally, I'm not going to probably send her to public schools. I'll probably like right. some weird hippie thing where like we have some group uh, of bunch okay. of weirdos that like all like homeschool the kids together or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. I honestly think that's the way to go. So personally, my journey is as a mother as well. So um my son was kind of presumed to be put in a school that was actually failing. So I actually fought, you know, pulled him out and homeschooled him for as long as I could until I had until work took over. And he's particularly listed as a very happy child. And I do believe that's a lot to do with it. And it was actually the school he went into was actually a school in, in somewhat of where in England, everything is class system based. So it was in somewhat of a lower area, but the kids didn't have the same as a generation, the same flush lifestyle as maybe maybe this, the town I live in. So yeah. the kids played more. They had more creativity. Not to say more is maybe a bit far, but there was more innocent creativity without the tech, without the demands. There was no iPads in the school. I think they had one iPad for the whole school. You know, there was a lot of uh, special needs care in the same area. So they were taught a, a greater empathy than if he would have gone to school in the town I live in. And it was just so amazing to see now him among his peers. All you get is he's so nice. He's so, you know, mm-hmm. little boy like. And that's something that I think is being taken away so fast 
from our yeah. children because of you know the way time is run but it, it's just so wonderful that we you you know you're deciding that because I've yeah. always said when we have children it's our we only have one chance you know we have one chance with them and that's window is so small mm. you know his first year of life I think I probably I luckily had done enough work to do nothing but be mummy because that's you that first year is so telling you know and it's it's everything and I always described it as that I thought what's having a child I said your heartbeat is running out of your chest every day like that's it it's not here anymore it's there you know you know yeah guys but do you know this uh, project because there are so many various uh, groups focused on uh, teaching mindfulness uh, also Mm -hmm. to children do you know the youth mindfulness group Youth mindfulness group? No, I haven't heard of them in particular. I think they're all over different countries. Like, have yes, different. There are many different countries, and they take care of kids. So, that's where very are fast. you? Are you? Are you in Italy? Where? Where are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm in London. I'm in London too. You're in London. Oh, okay. But what, your accent is not English, obviously. Where are you from? Italy? <laughs> I know. Vero. Vero. See. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, my English accent is, I would say, maybe Sicilian. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, are you? Uh, don't judge my accent, Kevin. No, no, I'm not judging it. I like it. It's nice. It brings a little bit of flair to the conversation. Yeah, it, it brings flair to the conversation. But that's Thanks. that's what that's definitely what we you know we we do here, Kevin. As we, as you can see, I'm very British. I live in the basically. 15 minutes from where the queen's mother was born which is why i speak like this but of course i come from an extremely tropical background and my family is jamaican cuban but oh, wow really yeah my, my wife is cuban actually oh, no way. yeah my baby is jewish cuban now she's a juban what a juban <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but just saying that you know then of course with you know franchi and her extreme italian but we met in london and we worked together in london and you know yeah. we have this culmination of experience Ah. and we you know just here enjoying these energies it's fantastic yeah it's nice this yeah this energies and 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 cultures and to to have the best result out of it because the more different we are we are the better we 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 merge and the more we create yeah that's true there's also a lot of sometimes there's like uh on the edges of the cultures there's some like sparks you know what i mean because somebody says something that's so like out of the box in your culture. And then it's like, what? And then you start <laughs> having very interesting conversations. That's beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. Should we do the breathing technique? Uh, yes. yes. Spark a little bit more energy, just to spark a little bit more energy on the way out of this conversation here. Yes. Okay. Yes, uh, yeah. Kevin, you're the best. <laughs> yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So uh, let's uh, let's do a breathing meditation now. This is going to be the Wim Hof meditation. Well, okay. it, it's actually a pranayama meditation. So pranayama is is like ancient um, Hindu yogic breathing meditation. Pranayama means like uh, controlling the energy in your body, controlling the breath, controlling the energy. And uh, Wim Hof has adapted that for a lot of modern people and. But there's a, a lot of different kinds of pranayama. Some you can breathe slowly, you can breathe fast. There's all these different types, which is why I think it's great to experiment with it. All right. So the what I like to do, and I think it's very very simple, and it works really fast and really well, and it fills your body with energy and tingling, and like uh, it actually like just releases the emotions. Uh, I, I'm probably we're not going to do a long enough one to start getting into like laughing and crying probably, but. 
if you do this long enough, then you will probably start like breaking down crying and like ah! laughing and stuff like that. But it, it only takes about 15 minutes to get to that point. But it's it's a little hard also on the, the, the call because I'm going to be like distracted. So let's just do like five minutes of it. Right. Um, and that will start to feel it in our bodies. We'll start to feel the tingling in our, our hands and our feet and our faces. And um, yeah, it's going to, you're, you're going to start feeling like parts of your face are like tingling or numb, like even your mouth and your nose. Okay. So we awaken our senses basically. Yeah. It, it, it awakes. Yeah. It awakens the senses very much. Uh, actually Wim Hof, he described, he, he, his is very similar to this. He described uh, this as like, um, uh, bringing you the results of a great meditation. He, in our conversation, he said, it's like the results of a great meditation because it wakes up your senses. It wakes you up. And um, he was saying that uh, one of the things that I really liked that he said was he swims more in the winter than in the summer because he likes the cold swimming wow. because it makes him his whole body awake. So, so it's, it's sort of like the same kind of thing. And if you're going to cold water, your body wakes up. Also, if you do this type of meditation, your body will wake up. So you're going to feel it all through your body, especially in your face and your hands. And uh, just don't worry about it. You're going to think like, oh, I might pass out. You probably won't. It's very unlikely. <laughs> I was like, I'm so going to pass out. Okay. <laughs> very unlikely. Just uh, try not to do this while you're driving or like, uh, if you're sitting on a chair, just make sure there's no like metal spikes next to you that you could fall onto. Probably not. So, so you should be fine. I don't, I doubt you'll pass out. I, I've never seen anybody pass out from it though, even though you could feel like you're going to. So, okay. <laughs> okay so and you'll get dizzy. You'll get dizzy in your head. All right. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to basically just hyperventilate and you can do it at whatever pace feels good for you. But um, if you want to, you can follow my pace. Um, and basically what I'm going to do, I'm just going to show you first. So we're going to do like, <sighs> like that so like these really just deep 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 breaths and as deep as you can into your belly and okay. these very forceful exhales so yeah exactly like what you're doing francesca very as deep as you can and as hard as you can and as fast as you can well not as fast as you can but but fast okay so you can do like <laughs> that, that, that's a bit too much like that <laughs> that might actually make you pass out i don't know but but uh if you do it like uh like this pace <sighs> And then you'll get there in about a minute or two you'll start to get to that tingly like awakened feeling and very dizzy and then after we do that for about a minute or two we're gonna hold the breath out so you're empty of air like your whole body is just empty of air you're just holding that exhale as long as you can and then when you can't hold the exhale any longer you take a huge deep inhale and fill your whole body up like a balloon, like you're inflating a balloon. And then you hold that for as long as you can. So that's one cycle. So you're doing the, the hyperventilating breathing, then long exhale and long inhale. It's just that, that easy. The three steps, hyperventilation, long exhale, long inhale. That's one cycle. I, I think we should do two cycles of it to get to really start getting it like into it. And it will take about five, six minutes. Okay. You guys ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's do it.
hold the XL out as long as you can. Empty of air. Feel your whole body. Notice if there's tingling. When you can't hold it any longer. At your own pace, when you can't hold it any longer, take a huge deep inhale, filling your whole body with air. And continuing to sit with the sensations in your body. Feeling how the body feels different when it's full of air versus when it's empty of air. Completely. Completely, yes. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna do one more. You ready? We're gonna intent this. Yes. Please, friends, guests, join in. Listeners, please join. This amazing practice of having. Yes, please join in. And then the more cycles of this that you do, the more intense it will get. But let's just do the second cycle now. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, spelling's different. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Hold your breath out as long as you can. Body empty of air. Feeling the body empty of air. Notice if there's tingling or if there's dizziness. Enjoy it all. Your body is awake, full of oxygen. When you can't hold the XL any longer, Fill your entire body with air like a balloon and hold it as long as you feel like you can. Imagining you're underwater, just holding your breath as long as you can and feeling what your body feels like in this state. can't hold the inhale any longer at your own pace just go back into normal breathing you know i had to jump out early the way that made me feel in my body it's insane yeah it's crazy right the breathing technique is magical tingling yeah, yeah. so so paris what, what i learned this technique from a, a 
teacher in Bali named Punu Wasu. And he was, he's like a real, I don't know, he's been doing this since for a long time. Uh, and he was saying that they have a saying in India about this technique that when you feel like you can't go any farther, keep going. And when you, and when you feel it, when the, when the tiger opens its mouth, jump in. That's, okay. that's, that's the say. So, so, so it's, it's actually very, very common that people feel so overwhelmed by it. That they <laughs> I couldn't, I had to stop. I was like, I went. But, yeah. What, what happened? What did you feel that you, that oh, you my, actually. Even like my smell was different. Like I, I yeah. the smell, the way this room scent changed. Yeah. It right. really... smell like it's burning a little bit. Like a yeah, little. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you're probably bringing a lot of air through your nose very fast. Mm -hmm. That that can create that burning scent. Uh, it's like almost like your hair, your nose is on fire. Yeah. So what I recommend if that happens is use your mouth more. Okay. So like yeah. a, a lot of the Indian teachers, they say do it through your nose all the time. And like a lot of people, I, I think it's not bad to have that burning right. sensation. Mm -hmm. But like um, for me, like I, I get much faster to that point of like very intense, like tingling and supercharged when I use both my nose and my mouth, wow. like both at the same time. And it, it uh, pre prevents that nose thing from happening. Wow. Yeah, it's true. And it, it, we feel so much better also because we release the hormone oxytocin, which is the hormone of love. And so yeah. we also become happy just breathing and which is magical. Sounds silly as we always say, in, as we always say also, we said in many episodes, but mm -hmm. it's really, just uh, do it with people you trust, like Kevin, uh, book your personal guide, like there are many people, amazing people that are able to teach you. You once you teach, once you learn how to breathe, it's incredible. Then yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it, it's this. This is one of my favorite, personally, my yeah. favorite exercises because, like I I started when I started meditating, I was always doing the Buddhist meditation, and it was very calm, and it was very like you sit there with your eyes closed and you watch your breathing, and that goes very deep. It goes very deep, yeah. but. Um, but it takes a while. It takes a while to get deep in that meditation because you start with your monkey mind, you know, and it's the mind is jumping around and then you start to notice all the things going on in your mind. And then it takes usually like some like 20 minutes, 30 minutes to like drop into a zone of like peaceful, calm in your mind. And then, but to, like this one within three minutes, you're like buzzing with energy. And like for people that are like very busy and they don't always have like 30 minutes to sit down and meditate or an hour to sit down and meditate. This one has helped me in so many situations where like between meetings or like after a very, like um, after a difficult uh, business thing that happens, like some, for example, like a business always brings out like uh, stresses, you know what I mean? Like right, when you're right. working, there's always these stresses. So like after something that really stresses me out and then I, I'm supposed to go into another meeting or I'm supposed to go do something like a video or a podcast or something and I'm not like there, you know, like my head is not like there, then I do this for two, three minutes and then I'm just like, right, ready. Yeah, you ready. Feel energetic. Yeah. Problems go away and you feel happy. What's better than this? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I think all of the meditations are good because the, also the Buddhist one has a ha, has a way of teaching you about your thoughts that this one, it teaches you more about your emotions uh, yeah. and it changes your emotions very quickly. But the one where you sit and you just observe your breathing, you learn so much about your what's going on in your head that I think that that also has a very important place in like a meditation practice. I think it's important to have these different tools in your tool belt, which is why 
I started Meditation Magazine right. because there, I met all these different gurus, different types of meditations. And I realized like, you know, each one of them, they t- tend to think that mine is the right way. Like that's just a, right. a, how a lot of people are. But, and it's fine. It's across all cultures. I've seen that uh, my, my way is the right way. But um, what I've noticed is that there are all these different meditations. They have different effects and they have different uh, benefits. And they, wow. they're like, I see them as like tools that I put in my tool belt you know, like, and, and I use them when I need them. Yeah, so would you, as a, we, with Paris, we always say, do the closing statements. So, <laughs> yeah, we love to so, know. Um, I was funny enough, I was going to do it differently, actually. But yes, we do our closing statements. So <laughs> is there any, obviously, we would love everyone, please urge you to go subscribe to Meditation Magazine. Um it's really important you do as as you know with our message of wellness and wonder we we try to normalize the spiritual journey as much as possible because as Kevin probably feels I would imagine that this is all about something we all need to do and it's not turning into a great deep science that's why we try and normalize this process as much as possible so when I personally came across Kevin's work I said this is obviously what we all need so thank you so much Kevin obviously we'd love to speak to you again work with you further um Kevin would you like to say the last statement about tools for example which is a tool that you invented for example favorite tool yes like a tool that you created yourself something uh well that's that's a good question I usually I think all of these tools, I think all of these tools are like things that have been practiced for thousands of years. So it's hard to invent anything at this point. I think uh, I, if there's anything that I can bring to the conversation that hasn't already been said a million times since 5,000 years ago, um, I think it's maybe acceptance and greater acceptance of all the different types, not just of meditations, but also of different people different cultures and and uh, you know people talk about this you know acceptance and diversity yeah. but I, I see every even those people they, they like they are like not accepting of non-acceptance you know what I mean like there's like this I don't know maybe like a radical kind of acceptance where right. you realize that like first of all there's there's no one right way to meditate there's a lot of different kinds of meditation and you can even make your own as you go yeah uh, like there's all these different types of cultures and different types of people and they're all beautiful and like just let's 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 appreciate them i don't okay. know that's that's if, if i could bring one thing to the conversation amazing. i like i'd like it to be that amazing yeah. Thank you. your um, statement baby Paris. my statement would be hmm, i definitely think similar to what kevin's saying um and even I posted it on Instagram today, actually talking about we accept you however you are, whatever you are, wherever you are, because uh, with that, you accept yourself. And I think that's so important that we, whether it's trauma, stress, anxiety, whatever we go through in this life, know that there is another side to it. And in finding yourself, you can find a way out into everything, nothingness and help into others. So yes, I think definitely accept everything you are to find everything you can be. Mm. And you, baby, what do you think? Amazing. Well, of course, I'm going to go through sensations. I would say that uh, uh, let's uh, notice uh, our body sensations through mindfulness. Uh, Let's move our attentions gently through our body and notice every sensation that are there 
because there is a world of wisdom behind our sensations. So if we can uh, feel our aliveness, why not? And why not feeling also our emotions through mindfulness? We notice our emotions that come to us, perhaps they grow uh, from uh, attending to a sensation or a thought. Uh, perhaps they're just there, but we leave them. We feel alive. Use your senses. Beautiful. So thank you so much, Kevin. So please let us know, or we can put it on the bottom, where people can find you, your website, kevinellington.com meditation mag yes so kevinellington.com is my courses but kevinellington.com is my courses meditation mag is the magazine obviously meditationmag.com slash subscribe is where uh, people can subscribe to the magazine that's like the best way that you can access it you can get it in the store we're in 20 something countries right now around the world which is it's it's in england it's in italy it's in all these places but uh yeah if you want to get it, it's the easiest is just meditationmag.com slash subscribe. Super. Thank you so much, Kevin. Lovely. Thank, Thank you for listening. Please be sure to check us out wherever you find podcasts, like, share and subscribe. And we will see you in the world of wellness and wonder. And of course, Meditation Magazine. Thank you. Bye, everyone.